Gaming and BS episode 320, coming to you Monday, November 30th, 2020. Welcome to Gaming and BS, the tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad everybody's back. How the heck are you doing, Sean? I'm doing fantastic, Brett. How are you? Not too bad. How was your uh, U.S. Uh, Thanksgiving? Long weekend, uh, I assume? It was. Uh, I had the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. But uh, And I gamed Sunday with Mr. Hobbs's. Uh, and it was okay. He kind of felt we were probably a little out of it. Like we just, it's like, he is like, you know, <laughs> hey, are you here? Hello, long, hello, McFly, McFly, playing. a lot of tri- tryptophan, uh, hangover than anything. So it, uh, it was okay, but, uh, relatively low key. I streamed for a couple hours on Saturday about gaming. Uh, Mr. Frank House was nice enough to to stop by and say hello, AWOL Trooper as well, and a couple others. And we, we were going through, I got on the kick of next, like, 6th sixth, sixth edition, 5th edition, 6th edition. What's 6th edition? Where's the virtual tabletop? And so we went back to 2017? 2007. 2007, where Chris Perkins and them announced the online initiative, D&D Insider. Oh and yeah, 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 yeah! Glee Max, Glee, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> wow, so we, yeah, it was. Uh, oh, hey, thanks, Roy. Uh, so it, it's. Uh, it was well, and he was saying that roll, right? We had roll. I can't remember what it's uh, the link, but we had it in a die roll. <laughs> But it's the new virtual tabletop that somebody is developing and I think just came out in alpha or beta. And so Eric was talking about how great it is, whatever. And I said, okay, great. You know, each teach their own. And we were going through, he's like, check out their video. And so we were going through the video, watching the features of it. And you can create your own character sheets in it. And it and it's very geared towards independently published small press type games because you could just create your own sheet, you know, whatever. But I thought to myself, self, you know, why, why? And then they were big on find, like matchmaking, like find your next game, find your next game, right? And I, I was just kind of going through that saying, hey, um, it, like the character sheet thing, cool, neat, but that's way too much work. I don't want to do that. You want to you create your own character sheet? But now, Brett? um, so... When I when I get ready to do playtesting with uh, the PIP system for Avalon, yeah, I would. That'd be awesome. You know, because I don't think I can find a PIP system character sheet in Roll Twenty or anywhere else. So I'm like, okay, that that could be cool. You know, if you could do some customization or whatever, it could be fun. But you have to like to do that stuff, right? You gotta like it. It was very cool. Feature feature rich. Feature rich. But do you want those features? But, you know, I think sometimes, you know, uh, people are trying to solve a huge, like, a problem. And they're... Is this a solution looking for a problem? 
Well, that's one question. And then the other is, how much do you want to solve all the problems? We've talked about this before, right? <laughs> is that there, sometimes it's like an answer to a question no one asked. And other times, like, I want to solve everything for everybody all the time. Whoa, easy there, big guy. Back it down. So, yeah. So, so it was good. It was fun. It was just that's kicking, kicking the gaming can around. And that was, that was a, I ran my uh, first edition Greyhawk game last week, Tuesday. Yeah. That was a blast. Everybody's having fun. My buddy Zabe, who is uh, struggling a little bit with the no skill charts because he's a role master guy. I've talked about that before. And, uh, He's like, man, I really, at the end of it, a couple of them leveled up because the experience points, the way it worked. Uh, Lenny's fighter got the second level. Okay, cool. And Zabe said before we left, he goes, you know, I really like the simplicity. I really like it. And I'm like, huh. I said, well, there's some complex pieces, whatever. He goes, no, there's something kind of cool about the fact that we don't have to. It's more descriptive and we do this stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, just like you listen to my show. <laughs> he was saying, I like these these things, which is a lot of fun. And I'm really, the part of it for me is, I, I said this before, was the nostalgia piece of, hey, you know, and because we're playing online, I do a quick search for the old school monster manual monster look images, right? So when they fight something, they go, whack, that's an ogre. And some of the guys are like, what the fuck is that? What I should know what that is. But the ogre image from first edition is, is essentially drastically different in many ways from other stuff. So that's been a lot of fun. They got a bunch of... Um, I shouldn't say a bunch, but they got some cool magic items. Um, they got to meet Morden Kanan, so that was cool. That had a good time there. That's awesome, man. We're going to talk about AD&D a little bit in a random encounter, as some people had commented. And uh, I thought I found their comments interesting. It, it was more towards them versus Brett. but um, none, And I, I don't even know if it's really AD&D, but there's some people that had mentioned about old school gaming and their game group, and we'll, we'll expose them a little bit. The other thing uh, I got to say is a lot of fun is pulling out monsters that I've never used or haven't used in a very long time. I love doing this in general. So a spectator, you know what a spectator is? A spectator, no. So it's like a beholder, has a big mouth underneath it, a central eye, and then four eye stalks above. They're summoned from, I believe, Pandemonium, then they serve for 101 years or whatever it is. And uh, they guard something. So they encounter one and like, oh my God, it's some fucked up beholder. And Lenny's like, I was shooting arrow. And it goes, hang. And it just, because it can speak to you in your mind. It has initiative. It says, basically, look, I'm almost done with my service. I'm paraphrasing. If you just fuck off out of here, I won't kill you all. I, I, I have, don't touch this thing. The rest of this is just happenstance treasure that I have, but don't touch this gem. Huh. Okay. So. They got a bunch of loot. They got a bunch of loot that way by playing by playing smart and trusting the creature. Oddly enough, and then um, oh, they also found out something about Vecna, and uh, so that was cool too. That was it was a, it was a damn good game, man. Sometimes I think about being the game master, where there with everything that I put down on paper or in prep in my digital notepad, whatever, and none of it is hostile. Inherently, it is not hostile. Just to have that, just put it down. Whatever monsters, that's one of my monsters. We've talked about this before. None I, of that. None of it is hostile. No, I love doing it at the beginning, ever, and then just seeing how quick it turns hostile because somebody players a, make it. Somebody's so. a dumbass that throws a dagger at it, right? Or insults it, or whatever. I love doing that. 
you encounter a giant, and the first thing a giant does is he comes out, throws a boulder near you, thumps his club down, and screams, food or die. Um, <laughs> what is, well, all right. I've done that before to, for like AJ's buddies when, we're, when they were younger. And we, we got to fight the giants. And AJ's like, no, we just got to feed it. Give it food. Well, yeah, but well, we got to fight it. And he's like, no, the quest is over here. Screw this, essentially, right? So they feed the giant. And the giant's like, okay, cool, thank you. And he toddles off. And then eventually the giant kind of tracks them and follows them because he's like, hey, these guys are an easy meal. And they feed me and don't fight. So they would, like, go out, kill a deer or something. Then the giant would come up. Can I have some? Sure. <laughs> so at the big fight at the end, the giant comes out and goes, oh, don't hurt my friends. And starts wailing on the bad guy for him. It was just, again, you know, it could, it's a monster, but how are you playing it? It was that, I'll, that was so much fun when that happened. That's, that's fun shit. I love that. All right. Let's see enough about that. Let's see here. So if you haven't entered your email, uh, you should do that. Gamingbs.com forward slash explore dash Eberron. Drawing on December 14th, you say? 2020? Yeah, December 14th, we're giving away of exploring Eberron. If you have your voice, if you have an email in, if you if you have submitted your email in the past uh, to our email list, you are automatically entered to win. Congratulations. And then if you aren't, um, then go ahead and do that. I can assure you, the last time we sent out an email was like probably a year ago. Yeah. So we, it, we, we get a, we get a, Get a thorn in our foot every once in a while. Go, yeah, we haven't done. We haven't emailed people. When it's like, hey, how are you doing? You want to take a cool? Want to take a survey? And <laughs> we just walk right. away. It's <laughs> just to make sure nothing, you know, something happens with the show, or you know, somebody goes, we haven't heard from you in a while. It's we'll send out an email because, you know, I'm not a big fan of Facebook anymore, and Twitter is kind of not everybody's on Twitter or Discord, and, and it's like Patreon and everything else. But everybody somewhere has an email. Right. If you're listening to us, you probably have an email. You need it for everything else. So at least it's a way we can reach out to you and say something has occurred or there's a change or something. Not that we plan anything to change or accents or anything horrible, but. All right. So anyway. It's a PDF copy, uh, Exploring Eberron, and uh, we've got like, we'll probably give maybe two, maybe three copies away. Um, and then the last one, my, the Age of Rebellion, the call for rebels to join the alliance is out it's out on the forums it's out to patrons i think we've got at least 15 people interested nice that's just people that are responded on the forums that might have come from patron patreon i know there's some from patreon that haven't come over to the forums yet because we're going to use that to muster but yeah i don't think it's going to be a problem finding four people to play once a week once every two weeks so uh eric frankhouse had volunteered to maybe run a game or two. So if there's game masters that are interested in running some Age of Rebellion, I will be more than happy to say, hey, that would be great. I'm going to got to get some house rules together so everybody knows kind of like, what can I make and what? how do I make it? Yep. Like, Do I go by the book? Or put, the bumper, there... put the bumpers up so everybody knows what they're banging off of. Yep. Yeah. So that's going to, that'll be coming. That's on my to-do list. And then um, how it's going to flow. Like, how do I play? Do I where do I find the game to play? And also I will hash all that out. And so people can sign up for certain adventures and some will run twice and we'll get that rolling and people can, this has got me jazzed, man. This is one of the reasons why you, you mentioned last time. Don't Brett, don't bite off more than you can chew. Right. Cause I'm moving and I got surgery coming stuff, but at least I want to get the move done. 
get settled in the house. And then I keep like, all right, Thursdays, wham, I'm going to start running BSR games. I really, I re, I, I'm going to be in a spot to do that. And I want to get that rolling. Grand surgery will delay me, but at least I can get some one shots or something going. Cause God damn it. I'm slacking off and you're making me look bad. I got to get in there. We've got five players for Alice is missing, and we're going to do that. Um, and then I'll probably run it again because I know there's a couple of people that couldn't make it. Or we, we put out a poll, got some people to say, yeah, and then we got some availability squared away. And so a couple of people were like, hey, am I still in this or not? And so we've got five, but people's schedules change all the time. So it's, you know, I want to offer that out too. So that's going to be, a, that'll be fun. I think you're better off playing the second game because we'll probably know what the hell we're doing it's kind of like on the, the first, second game. Like the first game of Mothership. Uh, second game of Mothership. I got this. Don't yeah. all, don't don't install the new OS for a couple months. And yeah, then exactly. once it's clear, you're yeah. good to go. Yeah, yeah don't buy so, the first year Ford. That's just a fact. But it'll be fun. Cool. Yeah, that's it. Sweet man. All right, let's uh, let's random encounter. We got a bunch of good ones. Segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. You start. I will start. Matt Bonehoff, this one's, uh, he emailed us and he says, uh, story time. I promise it'll be relevant by the end. I trust That's him. Matt's I tr- promise. I trust Matt. Ours. I trust him. It'll yeah. be fine. Keep going. I woke up myself up. I woke myself up coughing at three this morning and halfway through one uh, halfway through one epic hack, I felt a muscle in my back spasm painfully. I knew that by morning it would hurt to move at all. In an effort to mitigate that, I moved to the floor and spent the next couple hours gently stretching. Stretching is good. It is good. Fortunately, I had a fresh episode of Gaming and BS downloaded. I really appreciated you guys keeping me company as I ride around, ride around on the floor in the dark hours of the morning. <laughs> oh, Matt, I just, I'm just glad, I'm glad it wasn't like I was listening to your show and I started writhing around in pain. So I'm glad that wasn't the case. Yes, it sucks that you have back pain though, dude. That's horrible. Totally terrible. That's not fun at all. Hope you're feeling better, no. man. You know, speaking of like waking up bizarrely, Sean, I woke up, this total aside, I woke up at 5 a.m. this morning, wide awake, like could not sleep. So I've been up since 5. I'm like, oh, neat. That's crazy. I'm man. like, is this like some weird, I'm suddenly a morning person flip switch thing, whatever? It's odd. I kind of feel a little sleepy now, but not that bad. Anyway, Matt, I hope you're feeling better, man. See, Gabe is up next. He comments on AD&D. I feel like I can't. I feel like I'm an ineffective joy. <laughs> is anyone running an OSR game or, as in Sean's belated case, a downtoned 5e whose players are not saying this? Edit. But seriously, I'm glad things are going well with you <laughs> with First D and you, Brett. Old school is probably my favorite mode in which to play, but I've been pretty glum about my 0e lately because my group has faced some issues similar to what Sean has dealt with recently in his 5e. Brett's joined in an in and enthusiasm for one e has reinvigorated me. However, well, thanks, Gabe. That's cool. Yeah. So this is a thread. Yeah. That I good, wanted to it's go, a good, go through. It's a good thread. I read it. Yeah. Go next. So Harrigan replied to Gabe specifically on ADD and says, "I think it takes players who aren't afraid to fail, who enjoy challenge and exploration more than just kicking ass in battle after battle, and who just kind of get the ethos of old school play." 
as much as I love big chunks of the OSR, I actually like it more now than when I was running it in the early 80s. There are loads of bits and that leave me cold. Many of the original systems and retro clones are laden, I think, with antiquated ideas and mechanics, at least for my tables. But as soon as we move into postmodern slash neo-OSR systems like the Black Hack, Mork Borg, Forbidden Lands, Troika, Mothership, uh, and the like, a whole gaggle of us get excited to play. We want the mood and the vibe without weapons that do different damage based on the size of the creature per class to hit tables and half of the other things that have Brett excited in, in his AD&D game. Wink. <laughs> some of the modern systems slew pretty close to the original games, but directly address some of the things that bug players who are coming at the scene from a different headspace. Best example, the black hack, which I often espouse love for, is a mildly modified version of 3d6 roll down the line for character gen. Uh, that can result in some pretty awful stats, the kind that make... Some players think the PC is unplayable. Mm -hmm. I've heard this. Uh, but to, to be honest, has a sweet leveling mechanism that punches that problem in the face every level. Uh, or every level, you have a chance to increase every stat. It's really fun watching people go through that process and watch the system to give those bumbling PCs a leg up. What's up with your OE game? Is it uh, Swords of Wizardry white box? So he's replying to Gabe kind of, well, hey, what's the deal? And so... Gabe's, yeah, goes in, yes. He wraps it up. Oh, man, how, how we would love to run and build Swords and Wizardry from White Box. Our base is actually is complete, and all game theory aside, and judging how my players like to do things, I think this is for the best. Listeners have heard about our games before. It's Swords and Wizardry complete, so heavily modified that, referencing some in-game uh, fiction. We now call it Bards and Battles. <laughs> I've sat here on the couch now for about an hour composing multiple drafts trying to explain our situation. Wow, dude, that's a lot of thought. I think our current game environment is so atypical and puzzling that I'll try instead to address it through a series of bullets. First up, my player's previous experience with D&D are only second edition. In the case of one player, this is solely through video games. Whoa. My players have experienced no other tabletop RPGs with the exception of one player, if I remember rightly, playing a session or two of Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars. The players who want to play no other game than Bards and Battles. The group has been a casual home group in which I actually discontinued my original Swords and Wizardry game and migrated my players to a friend's 1E game so I could run Conan 2D20 for others. As a result of the pandemic, one of those former players asked me to run, at that point, quote-unquote casual, D&D Online, to which I consented. Session Zero Concerns... There was no session zero. We began Bards and Battles as a casual beer and pretzels game. We, st we started fresh with an utterly original homebrew world, my favorite mode of play, uh, which may have led to some of session zero or lack thereof concerns. I told my players that they may detail, and thereby own in part, any area of our emerging world. The players later told me that they interpret this to mean that their PCs who originated from these areas were important to the emerging narrative and hence entitled to a degree of plot armor. In my view, as the game developed, the players grew quite attached to their characters, so much that, so that they exhibited signs of turtling, as well as negotiating for character shields Now uh, that now threatens to upend the inherent tone of old-school play. I began to feel like the referees, my, gaming culture was at odds with the players. In an attempt to reach a place of shared understanding, I reread Swords and Wizardry to highlight core assumptions of old-school play and reinforce these principles to my players. 
I admit that my professional demeanor can be argumentative and aggressive, bordering on intellectual bullying, which probably resulted in a player walking away from the virtual table moment, much like the recent incident that occurred between Sean and Jeff. My group has made up, but I remain as uncertain as ever. I don't feel like I can get a read on my players' expectations. I feel like we have a fundamental gaming culture disparity. There seems very informed by video games and consequently argues that tabletop gaming likewise should be uh, a walkthrough, which can be true for modern RPGs, but is not at all how I want to run old school. In their culture, I, I still feel encounters should be balanced and beatable. All dungeon features should have a purpose. All side quests should be explored. Um, the game world wants, excuse me, the game world waits on players' actions. PC death, if there is any at all, should be heroic and meaningful. This is not how I want to run the old school mode of play. For this style, I would use a different system because Swords and Wizardry provides all the wrong tools, but my players don't want other tools. At the beginning of the year, I gave up Swords and Wizardry and what I'm beginning to think of as a casual passive gaming to run Conan D 2D20 for specific people. I'm wondering if I will do so again, self-selecting in the pandemic age among other gamers on the internet. I'm not sure if I should do this, if this might be considered elitist or insular, and not at all beneficial to the gaming community at large. Hence, I'm pretty glum about all of it. Thanks again for your care and interest, Harrigan, and for the opportunity to organize my thoughts, feeling on the subject. Dude, that's a pretty, that's some really good introspection, Gabe. That is, uh, this is going to sound corny, man, but you should feel proud of that. You sat down and figured this out and thought this through. I honestly think the biggest piece you have there is, yeah, you're at an impasse. You're at disparity. They want to play X with these tools. You don't want to do that. You know? Somebody, I mean, I was like, dude, I know exactly what you're you. talking about. I feel you, brother. I feel, I, totally feel for him. I distinctly remember a um, girl I dated in high school and college, Kat. Um, she was a big Marvel superheroes fan, comic book collector, just like me and whatever. And we were playing Marvel superheroes, the role-playing game. And we had one person in our gaming group who wanted to murder people all the time. It was like just an excuse to make a uh, murder hobo, but in Marvel. And she tried to run this game. And she would get pissed as hell. And it was just so frustrating. The rest of us are looking at this dude like, dude, this is a Marvel superhero game. Yeah, well, but I've got blah, 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 blah. The only people Wolverine kills are mooks. Like, you know, the the, the hand ninja clan, they, they just turn to dust and smoke when he kills. I mean, it, what are you doing? You know, and uh, but that's what he he loved the system, but he wanted to do that thing with it. And it reminds me very much of this. Swords and Wizardry is not built, as Gabe says, to do what they want to do with it. And, Sean, I don't think Gabe is being elitist. I think he's no. saying, I know what I like. I know what I want to do. If I'm playing this way with you guys, it's okay, but I'm giving up fun. Right? And if gaming, as cliche as it is, gaming is about having fun on all sides of the screen. And if it's not what you want to do, man... You're burning daylight. Yeah. Wasting your time, quite frankly. It is. Uh, it, no, it's not being elitist at all. It's That's for sure. And it is more of a gaming preference for somebody at the table. And it just happens to be a person that runs the games. Yeah. And it is. I don't. I think. And I'm sure there's other people that have gone through this. This is not like. I've gone oh, through it. I've gone it's through not, it, dude. You know, it's not like, oh, it's 2020, you know, fourth quarter, 
you know, it's it's bound to happen. It's it's it happens anytime during somebody's playing life. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but when it does, it's the either. I mean, I think things change over time, believe it or not. And well, your taste change. I like pepper more now change, than I did before. Things right? don't age well, not right? Always, w- not for everybody. Some people don't care. Some people drink Miller Lite and that's what they drink. And that's all they're going to have. And that's okay. Uh-huh. But I think sometimes we'll look back, some of us, and we watch the D&D cartoon and go, holy shit, how did I watch this thing? Like, yeah, I was 12, 10 years old or 12 years old. It was different. My mind was in a different place. My expectations were a little bit less or it was great to me then but it isn't now for whatever reason because i'm not the same person i'm a lot older <laughs> i think that the change in taste sometimes the reason i think the elitist thought hits us we're like oh am i being elitist is because you will see people will use the terms this is a better way to game this is superior and even if they're not using those exact words when you tell a group like You're hey i don't like right. the game this way I want to do this other thing. I want to game this way. Oh, is that a better way to game? And the answer, quite frankly, is yes, for me, it is better because it's more fun for me, right? If you can avoid telling anybody this is a better way to game or you don't know what you're doing and, oh, you're doing it wrong, that's, I mean, then you're being elitist dick. But generally, it's like, no, it's just my preference, man. You know, excuse me, and it really totally comes down to that. And yeah, if you got people who want to play, you know, Bards and Battles, and that's not your gig. It... Sean, you and I talked about this off the mics a couple times, and I know Swick and I talked about it too, and uh, you, Humphrey, and I. And sometimes we have to realize that I am not responsible for everyone else's fun, right? I don't have to sacrifice myself to ensure that the that this group of four people continue to have fun playing whatever game it is. I don't have to right. do that. It's your free time. It's your free time. It is all your hobby. And even if you're a player and you're like, well, I can't let the group down. Really? Really? Every time you go, you hate the you hate the sexual innuendos. You don't like this person. This other guy's a jerk. The person running the game, boy, he or she just doesn't seem to know what the hell they're doing. Nobody wants to do anything different. Yeah, but I can't let them down. Why? Really? <laughs> I mean, I, I, and again, it's, it's a, it, it's, it's weird. It's social mores and all that crap. But, uh, yeah, we're just, you're not, it's not, you're not responsible. I I'd, uh, Andy, who's one of the guys that's in, in the Jeff group, he, he bagged a deer. He's a deer hunter, like much like Brett and Good brought him. over some ven- venison for me. Just dropped it off. Really, I was like, man, thanks, man. Brett won't even do that. I live too far away. (laughs) I know. I'm just kidding. Um, But we, but as he stopped by to talk, we talked. I mean, he's been kind of out of the conversation. I I mean, I think he listens to the show, Mm -hmm. and um, he's pretty like he's he kind of he's one of the rational ones of the group. I would say not that anybody is irrational, but I, I talked about it to him, and I said I you know I talked to him about the conversation that I had with Jeff over the phone and. Talked about some of the challenges of the group and the game and the in the Curse of Strahd scenario and everything, and 
you know, it was a it was a good constructive piece because you know Andy hasn't been gaming with us for like you know ten years. He started a couple of years. He started with us in Tomb of Annihilation. Well, he's got an outsider. He has an outsider yet insider's perspective, right? Yeah. Where he doesn't have he doesn't have twenty years, thirty years of baggage. You know, and so we <clears throat> we kind of talked about some of the details. I mean, and this kind of vague vague talking right now because a lot of people don't know the context, but um, but it was it was around like. Just, you know, the GM doing a lot and prepping and then somebody not appreciating something and then, you know, how the expectations of the players and a lot of this stuff I've regurgitated on the show. And so um, it was just just an interesting conversation. But and it goes back to what Gabe was referencing. And, you know, Kev, Kev's in the chat right now, Kev Thulu, and he, you know, he took a break from gaming for a while. I think he's getting slowly hooked back into it because he's going to play Alice is Missing with us. and uh, But he, I mean, for the longest time, man, he he played with Brett's group for a long time. Yep. And then he played with me for a little bit and kind of Brett and I a little bit. And then he just kind of went off and did Monster Hearts with a bunch of different people. He's in the Gauntlet community, which is huge. Like, I brought that up with Frank House. Like, he didn't, I don't think it was Eric that I brought it up to. And he's like, I haven't heard about it. And it's like um, uh, with Rich and and Jason Cordova, they got a huge community where if you sign up in their Patreon, they they literally run a hundred games a month, a hundred games a month. That's crazy, and they do. Um, but you can find that you can find these communities out there that are doing stuff you want, right? Right. My point is, is that Kev probably played with many, 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 many more people. Oh yes, absolutely. Like in in you know he's still alive he's still breathing you know nobody hunted him down or but maybe maybe he's being stalked by some crazy person but mostly, um, mostly me yeah right <laughs> by Brett um, but my point is is that he went out there and he probably knew one or two people or he knew of them through podcasts and never really met them or whatever and he's just been running game he had been running games like Monsters like every week couple times a week with people that aren't like Brett's group or my group or any of that. And, you know, it's, he does it really well. And he's met other people through that, that he, you know, he's like, Hey, he knows Mike out on the West coast. Mike's going to be running with, with us on Alice uh, is missing. Great. I don't, that's cool. Friend of yours, friend of mine. Great. So it's just my point of this whole synopsis is that there's communities out there, maybe even the BS or community where you're going to find some people that are going to be fun to game with. And some probably not so much. I don't think it's a uniform like there's no silver bullet to a game group for by any means. But there's a I lot of things that have got to click. A lot of things have got to click. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, you. The more people you add, the the the, the more dynamics are change and different. So, I mean, you play with two people. I mean, you kind of you know you kind of know what you're getting. You add six every time. You know it's and whatever like situation you're doing. I mean, if you played the same game all the time, same game, same world, homebrew, and it was the same system all the time, and you wanted to run it the same way you've been doing it for the last couple of years, and the players are cool with that, that's great. Then you get that long-term campaign that lasts for 10, 20 years. But the minute you're kind of like, eh, I really don't want to do this anymore. I want to check this out because I heard it on some show or I watched some people stream it. And it kind of intrigues me on how it does things differently. Then all that like steady Eddie stuff is like in jeopardy, big time. Yeah. And then you have to come to the you got to come to the fork in the road where you're like, hey, do I want to keep playing like this? 
as much as I'm playing like this, or am I going to venture off and, and try something different and, and try something different? It doesn't have to be broaden your horizons because that seems like you're then pigeonholed into something that's like the, 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 the grind. And it's not necessarily the grind for everybody. It's just something that they want to try differently, you know? I think the other piece too with that, I love what you said there. And I, I think the other piece of this is like, it's not elitist, like, like we said. The other piece is, and Gabe talks about, you know, I need, you know, kind of handpicking people. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I, Sean and I are friends because we get along and we hang out and we've done it well, when, when the COVID. No, we don't. We hate each other. Um, but when, <laughs> when there's no COVID, we're like normally in person doing stuff. But it, it would. I'm going to say this. Not everybody's going to be your friend, right? And not everybody's going to be somebody you want to game with. And um, we've and not said everybody this. has to be though. They can no, be great haven't. at the table. No, totally, absolutely. I may not and, want to go out and have a, a drink with them. Yeah, and we've talked about this many times before. Is you can in the age of online gaming, which we can do now, you can go out there find that small group. Like, hey, I really like this crew of four people. They love a lot of the same types of games I do. We're having a good time. And when you come up and say, hey, I want to run Dungeon Crawl Classics, and those four people go, yeah, that's really not our thing. They're not going to be mad at you if you, quote, unquote, cheat on them with a Dungeon Crawl Classics group. It's okay, right? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think there's a corner turning, if you will, and it used to be, you and I have all had this, and many older grognards have had this, where this is my group. It's me and four dudes, or me and five dudes, or it's this crew of people, usually guys, and that was it. And because you didn't know anybody else, it was very hard to find anyone unless you went to a con or yeah, something. Yeah, man, nobody knew find. anybody else. Now it's out. easy yeah. to find. Now it's easy to find people. I haven't been to a local game store in a while, but I always kind of, I kind of, I can't help myself but think that there's still a cork board with a three by five index card on there that's like, you know, hey, I'm looking for a game, or hey, DM seeking players, and it's like. <laughs> Go online, man, there. and post it somewhere that's going to be worth a damn, not like your local game store. Unless you're going to want to play local, local, you know, face to face. But now that's all shot through. Anyway, yeah. Uh, uh, Rory, this one's yours. Yeah, you read this one. Rory, Rory, Rory's in the chat. Comments on AD and D. I have not played much this year, but I have to say my dissatisfaction with Five E and exhaustion at the mass of options for Pathfinder. Slash 3E has also drawn me back to AD&D for when I, go, when I do get back to the table or finally get into Foundry or some, some such. I reflect back on the decades of joy I had running, uh, Greyhawk, er, running AD&D, and like Brat, I have a soft spot for Greyhawk and the Duchy of Jeff. Oh, nice. Cool. Going to start with modified B1, B2 Haunted Hall of Evening Star, mix in some homebrew, then gradually have orcs, bugbears, ogres, giants, start organized raids out of the mountains, as well as isolated reports for weird, unknown monsters appearing in the high valleys of the barrier peaks. Plus, magic items. Lots of cool magic items. As you said in the episode, finding really cool, weird, powerful magic items, rather than having everything come from your class. 5e Pathfinder, I'm looking at you. Given, uh, given them a reason to adventure. I still want to use speed factors. Whoa! That's crazy. Crazy. Speed, speed factor. That's nuts. Uh, modifications by armor type, but I'll have to accept that I have an incurable mental deficiency in that particular area and that my victi- <coughs> uh, 
<clears throat> players will probably not enjoy such oddities. <laughs> I'm super glad your game is going so well, Brett. Like Gabe said, this episode's enthusiasm was invigorating. Oh, and the last time I tested AD&D, a staunch Pathfinder player who is very uh, touchy about not having skills mentioned he wanted to draw a picture of a villain who had escaped so he could show it around town. I said, sure, go ahead. You would have studied calligraphy and likely some illustration back in your monastery. Roll me a d20 to see how good your likeliness is. Dude rolled a natural 20. So I said, quote, your monk is a natural artist. He can draw incredibly lifelike scenes and his picture of the villain is perfect. End quote. Watching the light go on in his eyes as he realized he could just make this shit up at the table and his character now had a cool new skill made a huge difference. Smiley. Rory. Nice, Rory. One of the, uh, one of the fun things my crew had was they found, um, they're going through this little underground passage and before they found the spectator. And they have to cross this water. And it's about knee deep. So, like, okay, what do we do? How do I get across water? Is it fast moving? Was it, you know? <laughs> so they're trying to figure it out because they're like first, at, you know, first and second level. Like, okay, is there something in the water? So they get across. I love your, I love your player voice, mental thinking <laughs> voice. <bro. laughs> what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> yeah. And so what somebody says, I turn around and check the water. And was like, oh, yeah, it's a good idea. Get that bullseye lantern over here. It's slow moving. So they look, they see a shiny this, a shiny that, and there's this bag. There's a sack, and it's obviously got something in it because it's kind of moving ever so slowly, but the water's not moving the sack. Like, Ooh, cool. What's this? What's that? Finally, somebody dumps the sack out. It's a bag of holding. They, I don't tell them it's a bag of holding, but the effect of what it is, like, oh, I think I know what this is. Oh, oh I bet this is what it is, And it was, until they were able to actually get identified, um, and they're like a dagger of venom. They just had all this cool shit. And they're like, I think I know what it is. And then when they had the opportunity to go back to the wizard uh, that they that they had met uh, to get him to identify it for him, like, oh, thank God, it's a bag of holding. Okay, good. We're gonna keep putting stuff back in it because they were a little nervous. It may have it may have been a bag of devouring or something. So it was just the gear is fun. They they just they loved it because when they the characters don't I mean at second level or third level thief or second level fighter they don't have a shit ton more oomph to them than they did before. But now, they've got a frost, bl- frost, frost brand and a flame tongue blade and a couple other trinkets, so they're pretty happy. They're pretty happy. It's going well. Alright, thank you, Rory. My turn. Laramie on healing. I think this is a tricky subject in gaming as quote-unquote realism tends to be counter to fun. One more uh, random system to throw into the hat it's it's from me, so you guessed it. Hackmaster. Laramie's Hackmaster Guru. A wound is healed based on severity. For example, a one-hit point wound takes one day. Two-hit point wound takes two days, becoming a one-hit point wound. Then another to heal completely. Six-hit point wound, 21 days. Six plus five plus four plus three plus two plus one. Really puts a premium on magical healing and, and the traits that heal faster. The most important lesson, the best way to deal damage to deal with damages, not to take any. Very nice, Laramie. I like it. I commented on this one in the forums. I'm the, in 2021. I'm going to I'm going to get a hold of and read Hackmaster. 
I'm going to I'm going to get a hold of it and I'm going to read it. I may not play it, but by God, I'm going to read it because Laramie talks about it every time he writes in about it. And I see him at a con. He's like, oh, blah, blah. he tells me this cool shit. I'm like, man, I got to take a look at that. I got to take a look at it. Even if it doesn't turn out to be like my thing, I'll get a PDF copy or something. I'll, I'll, I'll read it up anyway. You ready, man? Having said that, yeah, we should get to the uh, main topic since Laramie has leaned into it. Right. So I've got surgery coming up soon, as we talked, as I said before. Baby. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no, not that Sexual kind of healing. Not, not that healing. kind of healing. <laughs> So when I, talk about, I get that feeling, I get <laughs> oh my God. sexual healing, sexual. I, I might have to see if they can keep me in the hospital for an healing. extra week. <laughs> I'll have to have my surgery on Monday. Anyway, shit's getting rescheduled. COVID's eating up hospital beds and all that stuff. But anyway, I want to talk about injuries and healing. So I got a gut check question for you, Sean. Uh, how do you like your healing in your games? Slow, realistic, fast, easy. What's uh, what's your preference as a GM? So if you're a game master, your characters are wounded, the PCs are out there, they're they're dinged up, nicked up. Do you how, how do you like how do you like it? Uh, so I thought that some of the previously released games back years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. The healing was was tough and didn't make much sense. Like, in order to heal, you had to have the cleric have the spell. And in order to have the cleric do any type of healing to more than just one person, you needed a long rest or a rest. Yeah, and you could get, like, one hit point a day in some systems. Right. So you adventure. So you probably game for, like, two, three hours but in game, you've been in combat for a whole three minutes. <laughs> yeah. And so you've been out maybe wandering for a couple hours. You have run into a wandering monster. The party gets their ass kicked a little bit and they're like, hey, I need some healing. The cleric heals and then they're tapped and the fighter still down too far. Oh, got to rest. Got to rest. Going to pray for eight hours. Or whatever it takes. Going to yep. pray for eight hours. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. <laughs> Keep going. Great cleric. It's great cleric. Love the cleric. <laughs> and so it happens, and then it's like noon. Or not even noon. They got to do six hours, yeah. four hours, whatever. Great. So in an attempt to kind of help that whole thing, they do short rests, long rests. Well, what do you like, man? What is that mask? What do you like, though? Do you like the short rest, long rest thing? I'm not a big fan of the short rest. The long rest, maybe. And that's, I don't mind the long rest sometimes because usually a long rest is, hey, we're at the end of the session. This is a good part, time to stop. And usually it's at a point where everybody is in a safe zone, right? They're not going to, they're not out in the middle of the battlefield, at least in my experiences. And they, we come back and everybody like, oh, I don't remember how many hit points I had. Did we heal? Did we rest? So it's just easier to say, yep, you did a long rest at the end of the last session to the beginning of this one. And in that rule, in 5e specifically, you get all your shit back. You get all your hit points back. Maybe you spend a hit die, whatever. And all the spells are great. And everybody's like, nothing happened. 
the la- nothing like all the bad is oh, gone. gone. It's all you, gone. Is that what you prefer? Is that your method? I don't. Not anymore. Like I don't <laughs> want it to all just be gone. But I understand on how it sometimes has to be, and I think some of that. What's well, the really- It doesn't have to be. It's a style of play, right? It's a style of play. It's absolutely a style of play because where I'm at now, I mean, if you go like Call of Cthulhu style of play, if you get shot, I mean, I distinctly remember a character, a couple of characters were getting a gunfight in a Call of Cthulhu. They were like, we, we need to make new PCs. A couple of other players were like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm I'm in the hospital for like a month. Look at this chart, man. There's just no fucking way. My character's done. I'm out. I'm out for a month. And we still have to stop whatever it is. So I got to make a new PC because I'm out. Right. That's like for uber realistic. I mean, there's crit hit charts. And we, I've, I've told the, the crazy story about the Phoenix Command game I played where I shot a three-round burst. The first bullet, it tracked every, like, blew off a guy's finger. Then it went through, my, went through his cheek over here. To, it, it, like, tracked all the damage. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm trying to be hyper-realistic. I think the, um, the key is, like, the style of play. I think it comes down to the impacts on the flow. You know what I'm saying? On the flow of your game. Does it take too long to heal? Is it, do we feel like we, we're going to die all the time? You know, there's well, never that's, a chance. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the rub, right? Like, yeah. We have to heal because if we don't, this, and part of this happened just Sunday, right? We were in a combat in low fantasy gaming and I was the, I was, I'm ranger guy mm-hmm. and I took one hit and half my, half my hit points are gone. Boom. One hit. And it was from like an, an ogre and at the round finished, and I couldn't roll initiative to, for shit, and it's kind of important because <laughs> if we get initiative, then I could tag take on this guy and go, okay, everybody has initiative, we can all go, and people can go before me, and then we can judge on what to do. But the, my point is, is that I was half down, and then the next initiative, you could choose to roll initiative and continue, or you can flee, and there's a party mechanic for running away. Yep. And if you run away, you run away. You just have to narrate it, and then you're done, and that's it. There's no tax of opportunity. There's no withdrawal. There's it's just gone. You're boogie out of there. And one of the guys rolled initiative, and I'm like, dude, I thought we were gonna run away, man. Like if I get hit one more time, I'm done. Like there's no three saves and all that in low fantasy. And I think zero is like done. You're dead. So I'm like, if I get hit one more time, I could be finished. And we could have just said, hey, we run away. Well, so we had that debate, and my point of, of saying that is it's a style of play like you were saying, Brett, but also there are people that are going to want to do that rest and need to be at 100% because the game master may not let off the throttle. Yeah, there's a – I think one of the cool pieces with a mechanic like that in Low Fantasy, um, Dungeon Crawl Classics has – shit, I can't remember. Somebody's going to correct me on this, but there's like a, hey, if you're dead, there's like you check to see if you're really, really dead – and, and so on. There's there, there's a lot of different ways. You got uh, the death saves. Um, if you go by Joe Manganiello's, like his meat grinder version of death saves are pretty bad. <laughs> um, if you go by like gritty healing in 5e, you got to spend hit dice for long rest. Short rest don't get you shit type of thing. One of the things I have found is that like in my 1e game, I'm like, I'm wondering how the guys are going to handle this, you know, because it, you can't do the short rest, you know, the long rest. They're so used to that. And they're like, oh, geez, what do I do? What do we do? 
But what happened is as soon as they found out what the mechanics were, they played to them. They go. If I rest, I can only get like, let's say, for example, I can get one hit point back a day. That's it, no matter what my level. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, that fucking blows. Okay, then. Keep the cleric alive, and we've got to play smart. So they push it a couple times, but they're also like, okay, we go out, we do an action, and then we back ourselves off. And when the opportunity comes up to take a job or do something, and uh, they befriend the wizard, and they're hanging, and they've they they hook up with the wizard, talk to him, whatever, and he's like, okay, look. If you guys are going to do this thing, here you go. Gives them two potions of healing. It's 2d4 plus four, whatever it is, right? It's not a lot, but it's enough. Okay, we got we got two free not kill me shit here. Okay, this is cool. And they also learn that when they see certain things, um, there's the bad guy, an ogre, and a whole pack of orcs. They're like, okay, we can't we can't engage. We really want to take out the bad guy. We could maybe do the bad guy and the ogre if we were real lucky, got real smart. Well, the dwarven contingent that they partnered with comes in, smash, they engage the orcs, like, okay, cool. The distraction is here. Now we can go. Then they start raining fire from on high, you know, dropping boulders and shit. So they're playing as smart as they can. Like, I don't want to get fucking hit. Right? Um, so I think one of the, the keys for, for me anyway is I personally don't like it to be uber realistic because it's so slow. And quite frankly, I uh, friends of mine who've been active during military who've been in firefights uh, tell me stories about a guy who gets you know hit in the shoulder and the AK round goes out of his right hip. He got hit in the left shoulder because that's just what happened. How you happen to be laying down. However, weird ass stuff happens. There's no such thing as a clean. He only hit me in the shoulder. You take a nine millimeter round through your shoulder and it goes out your shoulder blade. You may never use that arm again. Right. Well, and hit points are supposed to be abstract. Exactly. That's the thing. Right. If you get to these abstract systems like that and you try to put too much reality on them, they kind of get. It gets confusing. It's disjointed. The, the it's really tough. And. The fact That's why you got to play Star Wars. Star Wars would be really good, yeah. Because you could get hit and you kind of fall down and go, ah. Get your hand cut off, man. You just replace it. Well, yeah, just replace Yeah, well, that's because it's cauterized instantly because of the piping hot laser sword. <laughs> right. <laughs> hot off the oven. Um, one of the things, though, that depending how you take your healing um, and how you want to deal with injuries, once the players know what it is, if it's like really, like, really realistic or if it's like dangerous let's say even D D, not so dangerous or you know dungeon crawl classics it's you got five hit points you take four points of damage well i got one left you're still as effective at one hit point as you are five because it's abstract however the need for the healer goes up in those games so if you're playing that style the need to have a cleric or somebody with who who can heal who can heal who can heal which goes back to the old thing. We grognards recall it. Hey, we need a cleric. Which one are you? Who wasn't the cleric last time? You. You're a walking band-aid this, tr this trip. Oh, fuck. I'll be the fucking cleric. Blah, blah, blah. Right? AJ, my son, loves being clerics. Dwarven clerics, specifically. Because he likes them that can kind of tank up. And even he's played Osric First Edition. He still likes dwarven clerics. Because they're tough. They get to be dwarves and whack on stuff. And, and he likes the fact that clerics are needed and necessary. And if the cleric goes down, the party's like, fuck it! 
said back to the clerk, oh, and, they run, and that's the flea button. If you knock the clerk down, that's the we all bail out of here. Anyway, I, that that's kind of stuff I like, and I, I see that the impacts on the flow of the game. It's uber realistic. It can one gunshot changes the entire game, potentially. If every combat you're running is incredibly realistic, and you guys get shot. Well, he's down and he's out. His kneecap is blown off. He's not running. He's in shock. Okay, great. He's unconscious. That whole what you thought would be a fun little firefight isn't anymore. So it's the style of play plus what is it that you're trying to emulate. You've got to make sure those two things jive. And really understanding what's going to happen if you ratchet up the intensity of the injuries and how slow it is to heal. Because you say, wow, I really, you know, death is on the line at all times. It could be just fucking right there on the edge. All right, cool. Yeah, but we want a lot of action. So bullets will be flying. Da, 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 da. Well, you can't be John McClane running across broken glass because you'd sever something, get hurt, you couldn't walk, you're done. Right? It, it, it doesn't work. It's incongruous with the reality that you're trying with some of this stuff. So I think some, that's where some games, if you try to take the. Uh, using D&D as the example again, if you take the abstract concept and try to lay, slap in too much reality, it can get kind of wonky, you know? So I think if you really want to have a realistic one, you need to take a different system, a different mechanical approach to it because the impact of the game is just incongruous and it's just hard to deal with. Yeah. I don't, and I, I don't think I would enjoy grit like too true grit Svihander might be on the border of that like it might be just too much to that one end and i think you could still so one there's a couple things i think you got to do as a game master you can't throw everything at the party all the time because then it becomes this well we're it's just a, a race to see who can last longer that that's kind of where some of the the old school adversarial gm excuse me talk comes in like you don't ever give us a chance to breathe, right? Even when you know the healing mechanics are so not in our favor, right? Yeah, keep going. Yeah. So, you know, so you got to help them out in that regard. Give them a potion or two, throw them a bone. So that's one thing. And then doing it where it's like, well, I'm going to fight and then I'm going to rest because the, that's the deal. Like, I have to. Like, okay, so how do you get around that? Figure that out. So I think there's a, a medium in there, happy medium. And one of the things I think Jared Rasher put in the chat too is, you know, maybe it's conditions. Like maybe we don't play conditions hard enough. So maybe you're not dying all the time, but as time goes on and weight kind of wears on you, you take levels of exhaustion and 5e. And you're not, so as a game master, you don't have to put the big hammer on them, let them, you know, flee. Maybe do something like, hey, you're thirsty, you're hungry, your movement's halved, you know, whatever that is, versus imminent death. Like, I face this guy, I'm going to get bonked, and I'm going to die. Well, no, not necessarily. You can leave and be fine, or you can leave and maybe you're you're just tired or whatever. So that actually gives me an idea. I mean, if you were to do, like, critical hits, like sort of a critical hit chart in 5e, you could take the conditions chart and make it, I'm, this is totally off the top of my head right now, and make it a critical hit chart. You get wailed on and it does enough damage and you are paralyzed. Okay, you have the paralyzation effect. Clunk, you could say it's paralyzed for four rounds or whatever it is, but you're just, you're affected by that thing. You're blinded. 
He cuts you across the eyes. The blood is running down from your forehead. Your character's blinded until you wipe the blood away or two rounds have passed. You know, exhaustion is a classic for 5e in that space. But yeah, those types of conditions, I think that it's a it's a narrative condition, but it's also very high level at that extrapolated generalized perspective. I think it, let, it lets the it lets combat flow, but still be interesting. Well, and it's still something that you kind of have to, I mean, this, if there is anything you have to hash out in a fantasy game, it's this specifically, like how does healing work? If you're playing anything other than like by the rules for 5e or something like that, if you don't, you are going to be in a lot of trouble because you're going to run into huge amounts of issues negotiating this stuff. So even with Brett saying, well, you know, you're blinded. Oh, I'm blind. Oh, I might as well just give up and throw my character away. I'm done. Kill me. Jeff was, Jeff, I hindered him from death. Like I didn't kill him because he got a disease that shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have been able to come back from. Like he was the curse. Yeah. yeah. And in the book, it's like anybody that dies, you can't raise. It's just, it is, that's it. Well, I, I retroed that, which I, in game, I thought I was doing the right thing. And he, he didn't like it. He thought, well, I'm playing a good character. Might as well not even bother. You know, and it was like, come on, man. And he's the, that character ended up killing the freaking lich at the end. Nice. <laughs> Dude, I'm tired of trying to play rational with you. I'll tell you what I did actually for my for my AD and D game. I wrote I wrote this up. I said, "Hey guys, here's how PC death works, right? Healing and stuff." I said, "PCs die at negative 10. That was just a rule we always had: negative ten for whatever reason. Uh, you're 100 percent unconscious and can do nothing at zero hit points. You lose one hit point per round at that point until you're stabilized or dead, which is negative ten again. Someone spends an entire round; they can stabilize a PC to whatever hit points they're at: zero, negative one, negative two. They'll lose no more. You don't need a potion of healing to do this. Anyone can stabilize. You can yeah, stabilize them. Just there. You got that for free. You stop the fucker from dying at negative six. Good for you. Potion of healing can be used to stabilize you as a free action. Basically, you use the whole thing. You dump it on them, smash it on them, whatever it is you do. Allow the magic to do its work while you just take care of your whatever else you got to do. Then I said the healing spells work as expected to heal and stabilize the PC to whatever HP they're at as long, you know, once the healing's done. So if you're at negative five... They heal you for four hit points. You're at negative one. Good for you. You're not not back yet. Yeah, see, Brett, Brett, Brett plays the negatives. Yeah, which you're, is, you're not back yet. Yeah. You know. And stable, though. But you're stable. Not no no more not, losing. You're not, you're not bleeding out. It's like, okay, cool. Right. That's great. You're stable. We can, yeah. we can flee out of here. Um, But I, I was very upfront with him. I said, this is how this is going to work. Because I knew it would be such a drastic change from 5e and Pathfinder that we had been playing quite a bit of. Wanted to, you know, make sure it was very clear in how we did this. Yeah. And I think the other piece that happens, too, is when you change genres and you go to Star Wars. Let's say you played FFG Star Wars, where it's very narrative and, and so on. And then you switch, flip that script to something that's super gritty realistic, like a Call of Cthulhu. If you're used to playing a heroic game or a space opera game or, or something that's very... And, that, and in Call of Cthulhu, you get shot with a machine gun, you're fucking dead. You play Delta Green, you're dead. You know, if you get shot in Delta Green, weapons have a lethality written, right? So the guys, they're in the desert. Horrible thing happens when I'm running Delta Green. Weapon goes off. Lethality rating. I roll percentiles. 
Now, it only had a 10% chance to kill to kill you within this lethality range. If you roll over that, you just take the two tens, add them together, and that's how much damage everybody takes, which is still normally enough to fucking kill everybody. Because I rolled 17. A 9 and an 8. Bam! You're like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, it's a, it's a grenade. It kills you. That's what it's meant to do. So, again, I think your point is absolutely valid that when, when you're talking about the healing and stuff, if that is going to be not necessarily a major focus, but you have to understand that everybody's got a plan until they get hit. No plans to rush for contact with the enemy. And if players don't understand how their characters can get healed and act while they're hurt and what being hurt does to them in a game where there's guns and lasers and, you know, super hot plasma blades, they're going to make assumptions. And they're probably going to be wrong if they've never played this game with you before or this game in general. They're going to be fucking wrong. And you're right. If you don't lay that out for them, you're at, that's going to be a world of hurt because how you deal with injuries and so forth, I think that's a very... It's it's important to lay it out front. Not just how you hit somebody. Oh, you roll this to hit them, then you do damage. Okay, cool. Yeah, Oh, so this is how I damage the bad guys. Flip that script, kids. What happens when you're hurt? When your PC's hurt, how does he get better? How does she heal herself? Oh, she got shot and she lost her leg. Oh, that's called Cthulhu. You have no fucking leg. You got to hobble around? Wheelchair? Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the 20s. You know, it's not, there's really no decent prosthetics. You know, compared to what we have now, this is you know that big. That's a game. That's a hobbled character. But Jeff had a little bit on the nerfed perspective. But if you <laughs> in a Call of Cthulhu game, you take their arm off, that's gone. There's no growing that back. You know. Hmm. Yeah. So, so you, I. Th sorry. Yeah. Go, go. 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 No. Go ahead, Brett. No, I was going to ask you what. Do you? We talk about like dim emulating the genre and so forth. Do you find games that are realistic, like Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green, is that almost too much for your taste as a DM or player? Or I don't think so, because it's not it's not the it's not one of the core tenets of the game. Ah, okay, yeah. Del Delta Green has combat is deadly, but it's not its core thing. The core activity yeah. of that game is not don't go get in gunfights. Yeah, I would say that it's not any different than maybe a little bit, obviously a little bit different than real life as much as, you know, Sean's going to go and investigate something that's kind of weird and spooky maybe because I'm, I don't know, a weird book owner that reads novels on horror and got caught up in the mythos or something. But my first inkling as a character in that world is not that I'm going to a gunfight. Like, I'm not going down the boxing ring or walking down the street hoping I'm going to get tackled by five gang members for some reason. You ever play Call of Cthulhu with that one gamer who wants to be the boxer or the machine gun toting guy or wants to be the combat monster in it? Doc played Doc played a soldier in the Mass of Nihilethotep. Mm -hmm. um, did, you but, did you explain to him? Well, we played pulp, so it was, eh, you know, carry a big boomstick kind of thing. Not a big deal. And I was okay with it. And his write-up was, hey, I'm uh, active military army, just got done with World War, uh, the big war. Yeah. You know, and settled home in Wisconsin and then 
you know, got caught up, like knows a contact that kind of got yep. in, looped in this and got kind of, he's a big guy, like looped in for security. So he was kind of like the security role, right? If there any needed security, he would be that guy because he's got the military training. So he didn't have to, I mean, he had a shotgun, but there were times when he didn't have a shotgun. So it wasn't, he didn't play him as, I'm here to kick ass and take names. I think he felt that he could kick ass and take names if he needed to, but you, which is which is kind of the way it went, right? I've played before where you get that one person who wants to be the combat monster, like this is not a combat monster game. And I think that's one of those times right. when you need to, I love your earlier point, is you need to explain it. And you need to look at that person and go, look, Doc, if you're making that character, you expect to be a combat monster and punch Cthulhu in the face. It's pulp, but you, you can't do that. Right. If, right. You're, if you're playing very purist, <clears throat> call it Cthulhu, like, look, if you shoot the deep ones, they they, they kind of don't care. They just kill you. Right. It really doesn't matter. I shoot the star spawn. It, it eats you after you go crazy. <laughs> it eats you. Yeah, it's just, it's not, that's, it's not the core activity. But in a game like, you know, um, in a rule system like Savage Worlds and stuff, it's fun, it's fast, it's furious, it's that pulpy activity, a core piece of it. And I think that's where getting people to understand what's being emulated that's right? Indiana Jones. Yeah. If that's what we're playing, oh, cool. Indiana Jones gets shot, and later on, he says it's not the years, it's the mileage. Right. He got the ever-living shit kicked out of him, and he's like, oh, well, feeling a little sleepy. <laughs> I mean, there was a part where, uh, you know, what's her name was, you know, dabbing his wounds and stuff. Yeah. And, but that was after he was like, I don't know, dragged on a freaking truck and then shot and went through a market and yeah. then, yeah. you know, beat up a couple, beat the big, big guy at the airplane and then, you know, had to swim to a submarine. Yeah. And then, then the end of the day. Yeah. And then he's like, <laughs> oh, I can't believe that beer. Jesus, I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. But that, again, I think that's when, when the injuries and healing don't match, that's a problem. And the don't match comes on multiple levels. It, they don't match player expectations, right? <clears throat> they don't match the system expectations where you say, oh, I'm going to layer in role master level uh, critical hits in my D&D 5e game. It really isn't quite geared towards that. It's not really built for that, kids. Um, some of that stuff, can, it, can get, it can get wonky. And if you try to say, hey, I want to, again, with a player mismatch, the classic is like, hey, I want to be Delta Green. I've got guns all the time. I want to get in gunfights. Hey, you're going to die, dude. You know, because that's what happens when people get in gunfights. They get shot, you know. Now, having said all this, mm -hmm. I know I've been banging on 5e for a little while because of reasons. But I'm telling you, man, if I ran Eberron and it was pulp and it was high action and it's like, hey, you guys want to take uh, – a, uh, a short rest and a long rest and recoup your stuff because you did this, 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 and that, and I threw the kitchen sink at you, and it's been two hours, I'm fine with that. I don't care. Yeah, because you, could, that's you okay. could turn that pressure knob all the way up to 11, man, because they could take Ab it. It's Eberron, man. There's magic. Healing potions are the deal. It's like, hey, I need to... That Magic is... Keith always said when he created the world was, if magic is kind of the thing... Then and you could anybody could just you know have a light cantrip. Then let's just make it so that we can light lamps and they stay lit at night. So same with with healing in and speaking stones and Eberron. But that's Eberron. That's not the same as I want in Curse of Strahd. Yeah, which it's is still five E. I yep. just don't like like the same. You're not 
That's not what I want. I don't want people swinging around the, the forests of Barovia taking on wolves like they're freaking, you know, Night of the Living Dead. And some of that comes Shaun down to- of the Dead, whatever, yeah. man. I don't know. And I know- Somebody's saying, well, you, what you should do is run it with the system. And we talked about like with Swords of Wizardry. <laughs> sure. Yeah, of sure. course. You could always change the system. The other piece, though, I think this comes back to what Gabe was talking about earlier and what you've chatted about and we were saying at the top of the show is that is it's a is everybody here want to do this? Get it clear. I'm going to run this game this way. Oh, yeah, but that's not my version of D&D. Well, then this isn't a good game for you. Because I'm going to play. That's totally fine. Still love you. Just move on. I'll call you back when we're done with this adventure. So, yeah. Yeah. And for the record, Star Wars Age of Rebellion is not going to be, I mean, it's not going to be as gritty as I probably maybe planned it to be. It's We're going to play it by the book. There's going to be med packs and stint packs and, you know, critical hits. The critical hits chart can be pretty bad. That's one way you die. But see, there's it's there's not, ways to be gritty that Star don't. Wars. It is yeah. ways to be gritty that don't have anything to do with injuries. People have a tendency we take injuries and healing. Oh, that's gritty realism when you're oh you're down, you beat the <laughs> shit. So flip that script, kids, and you look at Star Wars now. Let's say how how would I Brett make Star Wars gritty? Now I don't know the Star Wars universe nearly as well as you or shit, of course, like L- L- Wayne or anybody like that. But it's emotional. It's it's role-playing effects of the grittiness. You did a thing. You got in a fight. And in the in the brawl, the bad guys grab a kid. You know, if you're into if, if that doesn't freak your players out, they hold a gun to his head, you give us what we want, or the or, or the kid gets it. Oh my god. That is like, well, that's dark. It's kind of gritty, whatever. They they still bounce back, but it's emotionally draining, right? It's the stress type of stuff that can hit you. You know, because, hey, man, this is what happened. You know, that woman you left on this planet, she's back and she's mad at you. And you're like, what? I, I, well, oh, crap, man. You know, that's how you you can gritty the shit out of stuff without having it have to be a bloodbath. Gritty doesn't always mean getting hurt really bad. And gritty in a Force 5 from Alderaan is mimicking the Inglorious Bastards to the point where you're a crack team and you're not. You're not the, you're good, you're like, hey, you're part of the rebellion and you want to kill a bunch of imperial troops. That's like, hey, man, you, that's what makes you get through the day. It's like, that's, let's kill some troops. Arr. If you want, you ever seen, have you ever seen Chinatown? I have not. Okay. So, Nickel, <clears throat> Jake Getty's Jack's character in that movie gets like, somebody cuts his nose with a switchblade. He gets beat up, but he doesn't die from it. It's like inconvenient. Right. It's still gritty, right, right? Right. Yeah. With but with this is is it the the, the rebels where it's kind of like I would say the first six movies up to even Rogue One. Rogue One to me struck a chord when what's his name killed the guy on the colony in the alley. The stormtroopers. I don't remember if you've seen that movie. Oh, I've seen it. You seen yep, Rogue saw One? Yeah, I love so, that. So you know, favorite. early on in the it's movie, it's my favorite Star Wars movie, which a yeah, lot of people get the, mad at he's, me for. <laughs> he's getting the he's getting the lowdown yep. about the pilot, and the guy's freaking out and nervous, and the stormtroopers come down, and he's like, "Hey, hey!" And he ends up like, "You know, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here." And he kills him, and he's one of the good guys, mm-hmm. and he killed an informant because he's gonna like he didn't trust him to keep his mouth shut, so he's just like. Phew. That's what I'm talking about when it comes to gritty. Like you don't, you could be for the rebellion, but even when they were Rogue One was, they got the the guys in the the hangar, 
and they're like, yeah, we're assassins, scoundrels, you know, all this. Those are guys that did a lot of bad things for the rebellion. That's what I was kind of thinking of and going for if I did a Force 5 from Alderaan thing was, like, you could do bad things to further the cause. You don't have to be the knights in shining armor. That's not that would be kind of the line I was looking at. No, so. I think that's I think that's that's a good place for us to to stop this year. I think that's the idea of having injuries and wounds and how you deal with healing and stuff. That is not the only thing that makes a game gritty or heroic or whatever. Um, I think it it can add to it, right? Um, but it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not the only way. A lot of times we say, "Oh, gritty." We think about, oh, critical hit charts and losing limbs and so on. Yeah. But, you know, these other things are pretty damn gritty, too. So, man, we wandered around a little bit on this one, but not too bad. That's all right. It's all right. We good? It's our strength. It is our strength. (laughs) D-roll. That roll two to four misses. Points game game degree you want to bring to you. Uh, first one, Pathfinder Adventure Paths coming to Savage Worlds. So in case you slept through that one. Yeah, that one snuck up and uh, <laughs> a beer mongrel cup with the rest of us like, wow, that's holy shit, really? <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So there you go. It's a big move for Pinnacle. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Still not sure why Paizo and their awesome APs aren't being for 5e, but that's just, uh, that's just me. Yeah, who knows? Uh, you know, I don't know. What else you got? Uh, and this weekend, Sean went, Sean went on a binger, man. You went on a bender? <laughs> What'd you get? Uh, so, Black Friday, damn you. Uh, <laughs> so, I I bought Splurged on Alien RPG. Okay. And then I bought Forbidden Lands. Interesting. Both are um, from Free League Publishing. Mm-hmm. Kind of intriguing. Forbidden Lands, I'm interested on their take of kind of the old school because they call it kind of like they're looking back. It's with the older, but they do things interesting as far as rules go. So I'm interested to find out more about that game. So I kind of took a leap of faith to check that out um, to see what that's all about. Alien RPG, I heard good things. If you if you are even remotely interested in Alien RPG, it is the PDFs like six bucks on drive through really? right now. Six bucks. As of today, November 30th. Six bucks. Yes, as of November 30th this day. I don't know how long, how much further. Crazy. I posted it in our Discord, but like it's a $30 book in PDF? Uh, $25 book. It's $24.99 I'm looking at right now. Six bucks. $5.99. I mean. It's uh, it's done as of today, dude. From now through November 30th. Ah, shit. Well, those live go out by the Alien RPG. Yeah, Yeah, it sucks to be you. So they had some discounts over at Free League Publishing. I jumped on those. And then, of course, my local game store, I was like, oh, when is this coming about? And they gave me a call and said, hey, your copy of Cyberpunk Red's in. Nice. <laughs> like, Shit. Goddamn. I forgot. I asked them to get a copy for me. So I actually have that in hand. Uh, and then they have bits of border, so I got a PDF a version of that. It's Cyberpunk Red, man. It's a good size tome. Uh, I, I never played some of the earlier pr- versions, but... I had a version. I had a version, and I'm like, oh, I got rid of it. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should get it. Maybe. Anyway, cool. 
so anyways, that's I just put those out there. I didn't really go come across anything that I thought I could put out there this week. But since it was Black Friday, I just figured I'd throw out my shopping list. There you go. Now, if, if you plan to get Sean any of those things for Christmas, cross it off, get him the other stuff. It'll be Yes, fun. please do not buy me those things. I already, I already have, have those. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, on the other hand, uh, I don't think has any of them. No, I don't. That's okay. I got plenty to do. But other than that, that's uh, I think that's uh, that's all I have. Brett. Yeah. What we we haven't decided what we're talking about, or, or are we going to talk about that? I, I'm thinking about talking about team play. The warden brought this up in our forums, and it's a pretty darn good discussion. It's about mechanics and team play and stuff. So right now, that's the leading topic for next week. So Sean, I'll buzz through that. Really nice forum discussion and uh, pull out some goodies in there. Whenever the word team is used, like team, play, team, team, reminds me of the Untouchables. Remember that? Yeah. I when think Capone's so. walking around yeah, the with table the with the baseball bat. bat. <laughs> he caves the guy's head in. <laughs> team, team, team. Crack! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty brutal. It's like team, team, yeah. All right, so... With that, thanks everybody that has tuned in live uh, here on Twitch Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time. If you would like to, to participate in the chat room, that would be greatly appreciated. If not, that's okay. If you see this on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe there. Otherwise, you can pick us up in your favorite podcatcher of choice where this is available in audio, where we edit some of the snafus of the video out. And it's just a smooth experience. It's like butter. Like butter. <laughs> Other than that... I'm your host, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game at all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you and produced by the following BSers. Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Mirko Froelich, Pure Mongrel, Brett Pazinski, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Roger Braslett, Stephen Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Chad Glayman, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Perry Besor, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Niall Diamond, Aaron Ralia, Jeff Goad, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Mark Sohm, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse, Jason Weeb, $1 Adventure Frameworks, Phil McClory, Adam Grotejohn, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Vanta Blacklord, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shorb, Michael O'Holland. Hey, thanks for the support, BSers. On another note, the Discord channel. Why don't you come on over and join us? You can find it at gamingandbs.com forward slash Discord. Take part in the conversation. It's small, quaint. We talk about virtual tabletops gaming topics, beer, and uh, just general banter. You'll find a new friend there. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox Litter Studio, Studio production. production. 
Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad everybody's back. How the heck you doing, Sean? I'm doing fantastic, Brett. How are you? Not too bad. How was your uh, U.S. Uh, Thanksgiving long weekend, uh, I assume? It was. Uh, I had the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. But, uh, and I gamed Sunday with Mr. Hobbs's. Uh, and it was okay. He kind of felt we were probably a little out of it. Like, we just... It's like, he is like... <laughs> you know? Hey, are you here? Hello, hello, McFly. McFly. Playing? A lot of tr- tryptophan uh, hangover. 